Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Ask me, ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram comment section. Leave them on your Twitter or leave want to kick off today's episode by saying Australia, New Zealand, you guys were phenomenal. And New Zealand, don't let anyone in. Stay pure. Just keep everyone out. I found out that if you spend $10 million on real estate there, they'll give you citizenship, which is fair. Contributing that much to a local economy should get you something. But if we, if I had a country as gorgeous as yours, I would also be very protective over it. So keep them out. Let the right ones in. Keep them out. Keep everybody out. Don't, don't let corporate greed and capitalism wreck your country. But they will. Any 10 millionaire can come in. Yeah, I don't know. Just be careful. I was, I was there and I was like, I would move here. Like, and I'm sure everybody thinks that. Every good thing you've heard about New Zealand is true. And I don't know any bad things you've heard because I think there's too many good things. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing. Yeah, it was... Uh, okay, you know what I'm going to say? Pineapple lumps are fine. What is that? It's just their candy. It's- every country's got like their big candy. And also every country reps super hard for their own chocolate. And you, even though it's like a part of our lives, you kind of never hear Americans like, oh my God, Hershey's. Mm-hmm. Like when you go to Australia, like, oh, you've got to try a chocolate. Oh, it's the best. And New Zealand feels the same way. La- England, all the... All the ex-British colonies and all the white countries are like, oh my God, ah, chocolate. And in the States, we're just like, you have to have Hershey, a Hershey IV and a McDonald's drip. Well, if you're at in Pennsylvania here, maybe. Okay, cool. Look, do you want to give us a status update about your cat? Oh God. Well, last we talked, last I talked to Noah, things were great. He was recuperating. He had a little surgery because he wasn't eating and they were like- Not Noah, the cat. Well, I know, but I updated. Sounded like you said Noah. Yeah, I said me and Noah talked about, and I was happy that he was doing better. He's not doing better. Um, And we've been to three different ERs and waiting on the FIP results. And if he has FIP, it's fatal. So I am hoping it's not that. uh, What's FIP? It's 
feline something, something. It's basically, it's a form of coronavirus that has been around in cats for years and years and years. And there are no FDA approved drugs in America. There are Chinese drugs that I will import on the black market if he has it. So thanks for giving us the F part of FI. We all knew it was going to be feline. It's like feline interpolar. Okay, listen. Interviral. Uh, I'm sorry, but since you did bring up no on the podcast, I'm here to tell you, you guys did a real bad job. Uh, I gave it a listen, as you said I would. And, you know, you did a lot of talking about it. Like, Eliza doesn't want this to be a movie podcast. And I hit the 15-second fast-forward button multiple times. And every time I hit play, it was like, Sandra Bullock, director's cut, box set. So, you guys, I built something sacred and you guys just, pooped on it with your movie <laughs> your, chat. Your, Letterbox. Your numbers have dropped off her- horrifically since We're going to get, week. we're going to, and and Noah, I, I got to be honest, some of his advice wasn't, it wasn't, a, I don't know. You know what? Maybe we reconsider having him <laughs> as a, as an untethered guest. I might need it to like rein it in because people are here not to talk about the movies. And I do want to say, since you mentioned listener drop off, I want to thank every single person listening right now because we just got off a call with Earwolf and not only uh, is our playthrough rate almost like 100%, which is phenomenal, but we have grown like almost 30% as a podcast. And so while I acknowledge a group thank you never feels good, like when have you as like a worker ever been like, and we just want to thank the whole staff and you're like, oh my God, that's me. I'm the sandwich artist. A group thank you is never great, but hey, if you're listening, if you're a long hauler trucker that's been listening and gets that reference, I really thank you. And if you're a new listener, thanks for giving us a listen. And if you dropped off, you're fucking gone. So you can't hear me. Fuck you. It's been so long since the trucker days. The truckers morphed into nurses. Uh, yeah, they all they all they all came inside, got their degrees. But uh, we thank you. These things do matter. I do love doing the podcast and it is very rewarding to go to other countries and have people be like, love the pod. And so it's cool. It's very cool to know that all the things that I secretly think when I'm yelling into a microphone and I think no one's listening, you guys are listening and you're loving it and you're loving it. (laughs) When you were overseas, how much of that candy and stuff were you able to smuggle back? Because you had quite a bit and I wasn't sure how that was going to go for you at Customs. No smuggling necessary. You can bring it back. I'm global entry. Uh, I don't have any like nuts or meat to declare. Uh, So everything was fine. And I did ship home a bunch of stuff, you know, and I I give a lot of it away. But oh, shout out to the one fan. They didn't leave a card. In New Zealand, this guy presented me with two bags of Jojo, which are these Czechoslovakian, Czech Republic gummy candies that I found when I was in Hungary. And I loved them. And he was like, I know you love them. So when my friend went to Hungary... I think he said hungry. In December, I asked him to bring some back for you. And then he gave them to me. And I have eaten both bags. Oh my God. I didn't even know you liked Jojo. Jojo! Folks, you know what time it is. It's question time. <laughs> what? It is question time. It is, yeah. That's why people, they tune in. For, the, for other people's questions. Yeah. I hope you got some good ones this week. I think you do. No, I only brought bad questions because I'm trying to Sometimes. scare you off and just do this podcast with Noah. Remember, what was the term malicious compliance that mm-hmm. you told me one time? We were talking about that Starbucks worker. Mm-hmm. I learned another term this week. I read a friend's email to a relative 
that she's like done with. And she used the term weaponized incompetence. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. Is there like a nerd meeting you go to or like of just women feeling slighted <laughs> where you come up with these terms? Because you're saying, yep, like it's like, yep, that was on the syllabi. That's very, well, I feel like I see that all the time on Reddit, which is where I learn malicious compliance because I, I am someone who reads the relationship subreddits and I, I like reading people's horrible life situations and then Redditors yeah. being like, it's all over for you. Dump him, run into the woods. Like, That's a, yeah. a, a big, big part of this pod. Yeah. It's a big part of that energy. Yeah. But do you want to explain what weaponized incompetence is? Because I think this would solve a lot of the, a lot of questions. Well, the thing that I always think of for it is something that haunts me and makes me so mad is there's an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond where nobody will take the suitcases up the stairs. And it's like this idea that somebody says, oh, I can't do laundry. Like, you're better at it. Or like, right. I'm not cooking. Like, no, I can't cook. Like, it's it's this weird thing where they won't, they're incompetent on purpose. They know what they're doing. They could learn to cook. They could learn to do laundry, but they're not doing it because it means that someone else has to do it. So it's like playing up that helplessness to- It's detrimental to someone else. Like, because I won't, you have to versus no one does it. Right, yeah. That's I just... like these terms because I think you can, it's always a negative thing and then something like there's weaponized incompetence and there's malicious compliance. So it's always a negative and then a thing like, like, uh, like disenfranchised neutrality or vicious obligation. Like, I feel like we can make these terms up all day. And it's like, that's when you do it because you know you have to, but you're real mean about it. Real mean. <laughs> so, uh, un unsubstantiated mitigation. All right. Well, I don't know if any of these questions reflect those values, but I'm sure they will. Let's do it. You've got them. Give them over. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. 
Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Okay, we're doing something we never do. We're going to let this person ask two questions because they say, I have two questions. And as a listener from day one- They need to pay extra. Never missing an episode. I'm hoping you will oblige and we will. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Question one. I have recently come out of a good on paper relationship. Basically, the guy lied about loads of things for no reason. He was a, quote, pro surfer, an award-winning tattooist, and made, quote, great money with his job, (laughs) except none of it was true. He lied about a trip to the hospital in an attempt to get me to come home early from a dream trip to Namibia I was on. Don't worry, I didn't abandon my trip early. And after lying to me for ages and me believing everything he said, it turned into an Alice Darling situation. No, I did not see that movie that I assume was also based on a book I didn't read, but. Is that Don't Worry Darling? Alice Darling, which I think is the Anna Kendrick is like drowning in water. It might be about postpartum. I don't know. Luckily, I only wasted six months with this messed up loser. I can now see him and all his lies and problems clearly, but has messed with my faith in humanity and trusting others, especially myself. My question is, how did you get over your good on paper relationship and not think every dude was a lying sack of Kashi Golden Crunch output, aka poop? Yes, I now have a crap tattoo I have to have removed. Seriously, I'm an idiot. What was I thinking? Oh, she let this guy tattoo or or this person. Yo, let- so it could be a dope tattoo and a reminder. I mean, tattoos are nothing if not reminders. Yeah, what do you do if you get a tattoo of your kid and it turns out your kid is a psychopath? <laughs> well, obviously, we've had a question like this before and my answer is always like, you could try writing a movie. That's super cathartic. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, movie aside, after it happened, I like took a knee I allowed myself to be sad. I acknowledged that I was hurt, but I also made a decision that he was not going to get to impact my life any more than he had. And I decided that that was a freak thing. It wasn't going to happen again. And I was not going to pay that pain forward for myself or for others. Meaning I was not going to go through life thinking it would happen again because it couldn't. And any man that I dated of the two subsequently, um, not including Noah who came way later, but I was going to be very honest. And I think that honesty like draws men in even more. I'm like, I don't want to be your girlfriend. Like, here's what happened. 
And both of those guys who I dated at the same time without telling them were, just kidding, sort of, uh, very understanding. I think that there is some grace in being like, here's what I went through. This was super fucked up. I'm not ready to be in a relationship, but we can still mouth kiss and, and get lemon drops together. So it's about giving yourself that space, not rushing into anything, but also remembering that won't happen again. It's a freak thing. And just deciding they don't get any more power over your life. You wasted my time and you're not going to waste any of my mental energy, you know, because your sensors will be up. But don't, don't think any, everyone's a liar because you'll know immediately. If it happens again, you're the problem. But that's my answer. I like Excuse deliberately me. made that choice. I was like, we're not going to think that in the future. Yeah. Do you want, do we need to explain what a good on paper situation is? I mean, you can, there's a movie on Netflix called Good on Paper. And if you watch it, just know that I wrote it and starred in it. And it is a 99% true story. Yeah. The entire third act is not true. Right. Most of the end of the third act. We didn't kidnap anyone. I would definitely not be sitting here if we did that. (laughs) You definitely wouldn't have written it into a movie if you did that. I didn't murder him, but if I did, here's how I would have done it. (laughs) Okay, so question two. And this question I ask her is, in case it's relevant, 40-year-old, female, not a nurse, but have a degree and a great job, single, reside in the UK. All right. I am the proud owner of one of the world's cutest rescue dogs. She's a rescued street dog from Romania, and I've had her eight years. She's the most wonderful little beast, my constant companion who brings me joy every day. However, I have no idea how old she is. The vets have estimated she's anywhere between 10 to 18 years old now, and I worry about how much time I have left with her. My question is... Is there anything you wish you had done for Blanche? God rest her beautiful lamb soul. If you had known how much time you had left with her. Best regards, Tova. Uh, Tova, the answer is no. And that is because I treated every day with Blanche like it was the most special day. Like I can honestly tell you there was not one kiss that went unplanted. There was not one body part that went unsqueezed. I know that I made her life wonderful and she obviously made mine wonderful. And we did so much together. It is, at the end of the day, it is a dog. So there, it's not like you can really travel together, especially living in England, it being an island that makes, you know, it's not like you guys meant to start a college fund for your kid. It's really more about you. Take pictures, do the photo shoot, take her out, spend the time. But these are, her life would just be fine sitting on the couch with you. Get all the kisses in, sing all the songs have a little fake wedding ceremony where she marries another dog who based on nothing other than they kind of look alike, which we did and live out your silly dog fantasies. But you can't think about the time you have left or don't have left. I mean, Blanche just sort of dropped dead. Yeah. You know, it's not like she was sick. She was perfectly healthy or at least I thought. So you never know. And that's with people too. And it's so cheesy to be like, live each day like it could be your last. But with a dog, you kiss them on the mouth all the time and they will die for a reason. And that reason being like they did their job. I'm serious. Like she left when she wasn't needed anymore. Like Nanny McPhee. I will say as far as photos go, I did something that was in the heat of the moment that was... So when Rosalie first... Heat of the moment. Gross, Emily. When Rosalie first got sick and then I thought like, oh, this is fine. He's going to be fine. I... And then I was like, I don't know. I ordered this year's subscription to a photo book service where you download an app and you upload these photos. And then month by month, you have a January book and a February book. And it's like a little hardcover book. Because I was like, he can't die now that I've bought a year of this book. That would be too right, that's the messed rule. up. Of um, course. And then the first book came and then he got sicker. So we'll see how that 
panned out for me. Yeah, no one ever dies. It's not like you can't fill that book with other images of no. other people and or pets. No, it's just for Rizzoli Nile. So I have book number one. I think just you don't have like physical photos of people that take cute photos. Like I think about the fact that all the baby photos I have of Gracie are so poorly taken because you're just kind of like, ah, like you take a couple photos, but you know. All right. All right. That's enough. <laughs> take photos. I, at some point, I know you love this cat. Do you regret naming him Rizzoli? Because you have to say Rizzoli every time. No, my only concern is, and like, I really, I need him to be okay, knock on wood. If something happens, then I only have one half and it's weird. And I've tied them together so thoroughly through okay. their names. Okay. I just, I can feel people turning unsubscribing. off. Uh, That's the answer. No, I love the name. Kiss him on the mouth, do everything, share your dinner. The dog will leave when he's ready and... And vets don't know. You'd think they'd be able to tell like rings on a tree. Like look at that old mouth, but they don't know, especially with rescue dogs. Also the people you rescue the dog from always lie. They're like, it's a brand new baby. You're like, really? She's in a wheelchair. Yeah. So (laughs) only you can decide how fulfilled you are with your dog. And you know what? It could just be watching TV. Yeah. But that's all I got. Jianfu's life is fulfilled if she like, if she sleeps in the closet, she loves it. That's a big deal for her. Yeah. She has her little spots. Yeah, she's a little hermit. Dear Eliza and Emily, I hope you and your families are well. I'm a 50-year-old guy who works in construction in New York City. Not your typical correspondent, I know, but I've been a fan ever since Eliza's first Netflix special, and this has been bugging me, so here it goes. Oh, boy. Long story short, I have a friend of 30-plus years who fucked up his life and can't get his shit together, and I'm sort of over him. However, he has no friends, a brother whom he hates, and I feel responsible. I've known this guy since we were 12, and we've been friends since we were 18. We'll call him Wingnut. My friend Wingnut (laughs) was the bad kid. Spoken like a true construction worker. Middle and high school. He was probably ADHD and could have used some Ritalin, but that wasn't a thing in the mid-80s. He had older parents who couldn't deal, so they sent him to live with an older cousin and attend a boarding school a few hours away. Turns out the cousin molested my friend who then ran away, followed the Grateful Dead for a while, and then returned home after getting arrested for dealing drugs at the show. I was great. the good kid at school. If you're getting arrested for dealing drugs at a Grateful, Grateful Dead, Dead show, you were dealing some hard substances. <laughs> Math, 100%. Poorly, too. Yeah. Okay. I was the, quote, good kid at school, but we became friends working a summer job together while Wingnut was living back with his parents and working through his legal issues. Though we were different, he was and is a kind-hearted, super intelligent person, and we became good friends. 15 years, 15 or so years of life happened. I went to college. Wingnut sort of bounced around in tourist towns doing stuff like teaching sailing and working on dive boats or sunset cruises. We would hang out when he was in town or I would go visit him wherever he was. I spent the turn of the century with him in Key West. That was a good time. We'd sort of lost touch in our early 30s, but then I got a call that he was in trouble. He got arrested for setting up a date with what he thought was a 12-year-old girl. Oh, what he thought? Uh Mm-hmm. Officer, she's 18. To be fair, I thought she was 12. (laughs) Woof. As fucked up as that is, I chose to support him. He was obviously going through some shit and I felt bad for him. That's when I learned about his having been molested as a child. Although now that I have a 12-year-old girl of my own, I've become less understanding of his issues. I wrote a letter to the court and was there at his sentencing. He went away for three years and got 10 years probation. We remained friends throughout. Being friends with a guy in prison is a pretty low-maintenance relationship. <laughs> he, he got a lot of counseling as and was doing better mentally for a while, but he was never able to hold a job for too long or maintain a relationship. 
His latest thing was he wanted to start a center to help people transition back into normal society after they have taken ayahuasca. Dude, just get a job already. What? Oh my God. That's such a small percentage. Recently, (laughs) however, he has gotten himself addicted to smoking cocaine. And I think that is a last straw for me. Who the fuck starts doing coke at 51 years old? (laughs) He says he's going to check himself into rehab, but it hasn't happened yet. I have a wife and kids and don't have the time to go intervene. I probably should, but I'm just sort of over it. I call him to check up on him and I've sent him a little money for food or to take care of his cat. Oh no. But I don't have the motivation to go help him. This just got real. (laughs) I know. In person. This just got sad for you. Is that wrong? Sorry it was long. I tried to keep it succinct but it's a 30 year story so thank you, Michael. Wow, Michael. Well, you sound like a really good friend. You know, super loyal and it's not about some people are just beyond help but you do have a family and your own career and you know, you have that little girl so I think in the name of friendship, you could just show up, write him a letter or do it in person. Be like, hey, dude, if you don't check yourself into rehab, like I don't know you. Like at least give him that. It wouldn't be your fault if he killed himself. God. But I'm just saying, well, I'm saying you don't want to just be like cut him off and then he does something awful. You will blame yourself. You'll be like, oh no, was I his only friend? You might be his only friend, but it has to be on your terms. Yeah. And you strike me as a very kind of honest guy. And it seems like this guy does want to change. You know, he just might have those that it does. He's always trying to do something better, but he always fucks up because he's kind of a bad egg. And so you just say like, I cannot have, have communication with you until you go to rehab. Because I'm sure in a rehabilitation environment, he's probably not a bad guy. You actually may have nothing in common other than the fact that you know each other, but you have to make it on your terms. And keep him at arm's length. And you don't have to answer every text. You don't have to answer every call. And you can say to him, my focus is on my wife and family. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with your choices. So I cannot talk to you until you go to rehab. And then take it from there. He might just disappear from your life. But I don't know if you've ever put it to him like that before. You've always sort of been, not an enabler, but just quasi-supportive. Yeah, you definitely don't owe him any more than what you've already given him. You've been a very good friend and you've been there for him. and. You can only do so much. I have a friend who lives in another state who has a, who's in a similar situation. It's not a drug situation, but it is like you are really the only friend. The other person is just totally miserable. And at a certain point, it's about your quality of life. Like this is, this is not your brother. And this is not like you guys were in combat together. So that is awful, but it is incumbent upon ourselves as adults. Like you cannot control the hand you were dealt, but you can control how you choose to play it. Hmm. I think. I feel like in poker, you you sometimes just have to fold. I don't really play poker. But that's my answer. Give it to him straight. That way your hands are clean. And, you know, it'd be great if he went to rehab and he was okay. Then you, you know, talk to him once a month or something. But answering the phone a little bit less, being less involved, knowing less, and just be like, I wish you well, let me know. But it has to be on your terms. I think that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. I mean, the LA thing is just stop answering the text, but I don't know that that's really your style. No. I didn't get this text. Oh, it went to my junk email, even though we've emailed before. I didn't see this. Okay. Hi, Eliza. I'm a 14-year-old gay boy from Cape Town, and I need your help. I met this guy about my age at a holiday camp, which was a week, and we really clicked. I caught feelings. This is a young person. We talk Cape almost- Town, South Africa? <laughs> I guess. South Africa, yeah. 
Let me see. Okay. We, <laughs> we talk almost every day and we're both super flirty. He started the flirting. But about two weeks ago, he told me that he started another guy that was at the camp, dating another guy at the camp. I don't really know the boyfriend. I still really like camp boy. We still exchange flirty texts, but he does not know I like him. So my question is, should I just let it go? Tell him how I feel? Wait for them to break up? Then make my move? Or try to sabotage their relationship and be there for him after their breakup? And then a little laugh. Cry emoji that he's kidding. P.S. There are almost no out gay kids my age, so it's not like I can just find someone else. Love you, the podcast and all the specials. Hot Forever is my favorite. Um, Thank you so much. You also don't deserve to be in a relationship that is unreciprocated. And so if you're cool, just like quietly lusting after this guy, you know, what if he has feelings for you and you never knew? I, I don't think... I don't know. How much do you value this guy's friendship? Can you see this cool kid? No, it's too blurry. It's your fucking your screen is blurry. You're like blurred out to catch a predator screen is like super. I can't see anything. Well, How much is his friendship worth it to you? And as someone living in that quasi closeted environment, is it more important to have an ally? You know, it's you're not dating, so so far you've enjoyed him like this. What's more important to you? I can't answer that for you. I know you're joking, but definitely do not sabotage anything. <laughs> is it worth it to you to put it out there? Can you still be friends? If he said he wasn't into you, would you still be his friend? You know, are are you able to even see each other? Or is it just because he's around? I can't answer these things. What do you think about the fact that the the other guy has a boyfriend and our guy is, they're like still flirting. I think that if you want to make a clean break, yeah. you have to stop that or you're going to keep with these caught feelings. <laughs> Also, keep in mind, he has a boyfriend, but is flirting with you. Right. So that's the kind of boyfriend he could be to you. You have to weigh out all these things. I mean, this doesn't sound like it's going to be the guy you marry, so you may as well just let him know as long as you're okay with him being like, sorry, sorry, I'm not into you. That was my Seth African accent. That is the hardest accent to do. Uh, but it sounds like this guy is just one step on your road to being whoever you're going to be. Right, it was exciting that you met someone else that you clicked with. Yeah. That like that's that's really exciting. There will be he knows. more people like that. He knows, by the way. He's just kind of having his cake and eating it too. That's very possible. Ask yourself, what is it that you want? Yeah, <laughs> I, I can like only the- do a South African accent if I imitate my friend's parents, who I grew up with, because they're from South Africa. Was he Other even than it? okay? Was he alive when your first special came out? If he's fourteen now and his favorite is hot forever, dude, I don't know. I don't know. It's vintage, <laughs> vintage porn. Check it. Hi, Eliza, Emily, and the rest of the crew. Female, twenty-six. I have recently gone through a breakup of three years. Long story short, we were going in different directions. Since the breakup, we've decided to live together still because it's easier financially. My ex, male, thirty-four has been planning a vacation with his kids in March. They live out of state, so they were supposed to be staying with us, but then the breakup happened. We decided that I will be keeping our current apartment and he will be moving out in April. While his kids are here, he has asked that I stay elsewhere. My question, is it right of him to ask this of me? I get that we agreed to live together currently, but basically kicking me out of my house while his kids are here? I also understand that the price of staying in heavily populated areas can be expensive, but I don't want to leave and have to find a place to stay for a week with my cat. Much love to the pod. What? Whose name is on the lease? I feel like we get this a lot where it's like because of a financial situation... 
I'm in an, an even more uncomfortable domestic situation. And so, I mean, it's, I get that this is something that a lot of people deal with, you know, like we, I can't afford to live elsewhere. He's moving out and he's asked for a full week that you not be there. And if you're in that dire straits financially, are you supposed, is he going to help you pay for that? Do you get a week off of that month that you're paying for that? Is he going to help you find that? Is it a hotel? Is there somewhere you can go? I mean, how, and you were together for three years? Yeah, and it sounds like, okay, so she's keeping the apartment. But so when these kids are coming, she's supposed to stay somewhere else. It's like, well, he can pay for you to stay in a hotel then that's cat friendly. Like, that's insane. That's a lot. And also, like, is this a toxic breakup? Like, is it a huge deal if you're there? Is it weird that you're sleeping in the same room? It's tough because it seems like it's not like a toxic breakup, but clearly finances play a huge part in your life and you are constrained by that. So I don't think it's unfair that you ask him to pay for that or split it or something like that. Um, unless you've got something that you can go do for a week, you have a trip you're planning on taking, but that seems like an uncool situation. Also, oh, man, is it right of him to ask you? I don't know. All's fair. Like this is a messy breakup. You guys, you're dating a guy with two kids who lives out of state and he's asking you to make way for his kids. Like that is his responsibility. Those are his kids coming to visit and he did not make the plans. I don't know how, I don't know what the details of the breakup were. I don't know if it's like you just broke up, but the kids were already coming. If there is any love there, maybe yes. you guys can work something out. Maybe he can pay for half of it. But if you are keeping it, if is he doing you a favor by letting you keep it? Like who's helping the other one out? If he has all the money in the world and he's doing a favor, maybe, I'm sorry, if he has no money, and he's letting you keep it. And it's that hard to find another one, maybe help him out. Is there a version where you could stay or you're just not there during the day or something? So it's not about right or wrong as much as like, how much do you want to fuck the other person? Not literally, because you're breaking up. Right. Mm. Hi, Liza. And by the way, you're broken up. So this like tit for tat about who's right, who's wrong. It's just like, how can we make this the easiest without any financial constraints and get out of this relationship at this point? You know? Yeah. I mean, also, are, do the kids like you? Like, is it okay that you're there? Like, I'm fucking your dad and we're sleeping in separate bunks. Okay. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. 
may whore. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hi, Eliza. I'm a huge fan of your comedy. I was first introduced to you through the Elder Millennial Comedy Special and have been a fan ever since. Listen to the podcast off and on for a few years, but I'm a total cherry picker when it comes to the podcast I listen to, so I'll admit I haven't listened to every episode. Excuse me. We got to get those numbers up, okay? How are you picking them? That's what I want to know. I want that data. How are you deciding which episodes you tune in and out for? Because we had a whole meeting about people like you right before this. (laughs) cherry picker. I'm a 31-year-old woman and I've been married to my husband for a few years. We started trying for a baby about a year and a half ago. It took us a full year to get pregnant and I ended up miscarrying at nine weeks. We are starting to try again and I'm a lot less obsessive about trying to get pregnant. I did everything, quote, right the first time and I still miscarried. So this time around, I'm just living a healthy lifestyle and tracking my fertile window through an app. No ovulation tests, no obsessive Googling, no weird post-sex rituals, no pregnancy blogs and channels, no symptom spotting, etc. I also deleted all of my social media accounts a couple of years ago, which has really helped reduce my stress in general. Here is my issue. I find myself paralyzed with anxiety about miscarrying again. It was awful the first time. It destroyed both me and my husband emotionally. Physically, it was very painful. My miscarriage was also medically complicated, and the entire physical process took about a month to complete. The emotional and hormonal aftermath was difficult, to say the least. My husband was so supportive. He showed up in ways I couldn't even think to ask for and really showed me why I picked him as my life partner. So I know the issue isn't fear that I won't have support, but the thought of going through all that again feels debilitating sometimes. Did you ever, did you experience the same kind of anxiety after your miscarriage? How did you manage it? Did the anxiety go away at any point during your next pregnancy? P.S. I watched Hot Forever three days after I learned I miscarried. I cried so fucking hard at the end when you said that you miscarried and were telling people simply because you have a microphone. At one of the worst times in my life, you made me feel seen. And for a moment, I didn't feel so alone during such an isolating experience. Thank you. Oh, that's why I did it. For people like you. I'm glad you found it in that moment. Look, no, I didn't feel that. I wasn't debilitated or paralyzed by it. But that is a very rational fear. Whether you've had one or not, every time I went to the doctor, I was like, oh my God, like, is there going to be a heartbeat? Because that one time there wasn't. I also talk about this in my book, All Things Aside. So that's normal. That's normal PTSD. That's in any relationship. Oh, the last person broke up. Is this person going to break up with me? Oh, I did a bad job at school. Is this next assignment going to be bad? This is just what life is. You have these bad experiences and you are nervous that they might happen again. Um, I do think this, first of all, you're young, so that's great. It is normal to miscarry. It's shitty and and upsetting, but you know, it's not a freak thing. I do think that statistically it goes down 
you know, miscarrying a second time. This does happen to people, but if everything is functioning and healthy, it's less likely. But at the end of the day, would you rather not deal with any of it and not try again? No. What are you going to do? All you can do is one foot in front of the other. And the longer you carry, the more likely it is to be okay. Like it is rare. It happens. People miscarry up till like the very end, but it is rare. And at a certain point, the stats have to be on your side. And there is a peace in knowing like I've done everything. I've just got to give it over to it. And the truth is, ask yourself at the end of the day, are you going to stop trying? Like, are you really going to let the fear of something that might not happen stand in your way? Because that's a reason to never do anything. Oh my God, I might not get good enough grades. Why go to college? I might not get this promotion. Why ask for it? I might not marry this person. May as well not date them. Your life all day, every day is filled with weighing out the statistics and the options. And you don't know till you go. And yeah, all these awful things can happen or you get pregnant the second time or the third time and then you have the best baby. But by the way, even when you have the baby, things can go wrong. And even when things don't go wrong, bad things can happen in life. But we can't live our lives abnegating ourselves joy because something bad might happen because ultimately bad things do happen and everyone does die. So at the end of the day though, like when you're alone and you're thinking about this, I know you're not going to let all of these things stop you from trying to have the baby that you want. And it's scary, but all you can do is take it one day at a time. And if it does happen, at least you've been there before. It doesn't take the sting away from it, but you'll know how to deal with it. And you'll get through it. That's it. And I know that you're going to, I know that you're going to go through with it. So snap out of it. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Yeah, every time I went to the doctor, I was like, oh my God, what if there's no heartbeat? And it is this thing, like these, these intrusive thoughts that I have, even now I've got this great healthy baby and I think about horrible things that could happen to her 23 out of the 24 hours a day, like even in my dreams. And that's just being a mother. And you just have to get better at being like, get out of my head. Mm. It's not about manifesting it. It's just about, you don't need the fucking stress. So think about something else. Put those thoughts in a shiny pink bubble and let it float away and burst be done with it. Hey, Eliza. I'm desperate for some words of encouragement. This week, I decided to break up with my two former best friends. I graduated college with these two girls, and we were inseparable all four years. But the last few months of post-grad life, I felt them icing me out, intentionally not inviting me to hang out, not responding to texts, etc. I realized this week that if I weren't the first one to text, I wouldn't have heard from either of these girls in weeks. After months of emotional confusion trying to figure out if I was imagining this change and trying to talk to them about it and getting nowhere and convincing myself I was crazy, I decided it's time for me to call it quits. I've heard you in my head going, break up with these friends, and I promise I'm listening. No friendship is worth the exhaustion and heartbreak that I felt trying to salvage it. Here's the catch. <laughs> One of these girls is my coworker and direct supervisor. We work at a clothing store together and have the same schedule. She is the one who hired me after I'd quit my old job pretty suddenly because of an abusive and unhealthy management situation. How do I stop doing all the work in a friendship and let it die while still having to see this person at work Monday through Friday? I really don't want to quit this job since I've only been here a month and don't want to start a habit of constant job hopping. Exhausting. Please help. Well, I got to tell you, you work in retail, so I think job hopping is part of it. 
Like if you love the job, that's one thing, but like nobody in retail is going to fault you because you worked at like the other gap and the limited before you came over to Nordstrom Rack. So don't worry about that. And this is probably a temporary job for you. Um, you said you broke up with her already. Like, so she already knows that you're like, I'm done being friends. No, it sounds like she's basically stopped talking to that. Like they, they've started icing her out. She's not putting in the effort anymore. So maybe just keep it at that. Yeah, the work's been done for you. You just show up to work. You're nice at work. You keep your conversations to a minimal, minimal to a minimum. And that's it. You don't have to think about it. Oh, what are you doing after work? They try to look. And also, by the way, it could have not been delivered on their part, but let's say it is. You know, are you going to let her win? Are you going to give up this job just because, you know, they don't like you? Just show up. Never say anything about it. You've got better things to do. It also might be partly in your head, but it doesn't matter. Take your lunch break alone. You can have like cordial convos. At some point, she'll be like, oh, did you want to hang out? And be like, oh, I've just got stuff. You know, if you want to have a real come to Jesus, great, but do not do it during work hours. Eventually that girl will quit or move on. But also don't, that job's not so sacred. You can get another job in retail. None of this will have mattered in a year. Yeah. But yeah, just keep it super, pretend you've already broken up. Treat them as if like they're losers you don't want to talk to. So just be like, hey, how are you? And leave it at that. Do your job, go home. It'll just, it'll resolve itself. You don't have to worry about this. Right back to me in like six months. Hello, Eliza, Emily, and crew. Eliza, I was listening to your recent episode where you shared your last name is Polish. My last name is also Polish. Mikowajczyk. They've told me how to pronounce it. There's a J, a C, a Z, a Y, a K. I learned to spell it when I was three by singing the Mickey Mouse song. At work, I often have to spell my last name for the pharmacy laboratory, et cetera. I'm used to the typical conversation that ensues shortly after. Wow, what is that, Russian? Or how do you even pronounce that? I'm never that bothered by it and often joke, you should have seen the bag on my letterman's jacket. Or if my boyfriend and I get married, I'm going to make him take my last name. When I was younger, I couldn't wait to get married to change my last name. Now, as the final Mikawai check in my immediate family, I'm leaning towards keeping this wonderful mouthful of a last name. My question, when did you decide that you were going to keep your last name after getting married? Did your successful career impact that decision? It's weird to think women are expected to throw away such a big part of our identities when getting married. Lots of love, Mel. P.S. I've seen you perform in Irvine and LA twice. One of those times you were doing stand-up out of the back of a pickup truck. That's right. Pandemic, baby. Um, I've never been a fan of my last name. I actually... I take that back. I never really thought about my last name until I became an adult And people were just really annoying about it. Growing up, people always mispronounced it, but it was never like rude or pointed. And I think as an adult, having people make fun or make a meal out of it in every interview, which only lets me know that you didn't do your job as an interviewer and certainly didn't ask me off camera how to say it. Um, And also people thinking like, I guess because I'm white, it's okay to make fun of it, which it definitely is not. Um that like somehow my feelings don't matter or the fact that I'm, it's like a Jewish last name, like it's okay to mispronounce it deliberately or to make a joke is always difficult. Uh, I would have loved, I don't consider it a part of my identity. I consider it um, sort of a burdensome part of my existence. And if I had married someone with a more forgiving last name, I would have changed my last name. However, I didn't. And... 
I was already Eliza Schlesinger. So even if I had married someone whose last name was Smith, I probably would have been Smith on paper and just kept Schlesinger. It was just about what was easier. If it's a big part of your identity and you love it, then you don't have to give it up. I actually like the old worldness of taking someone's last name and melding the two families. I think hyphenated names are annoying, but hey, if that's your thing, great. If you want to keep yours, I think about my daughter and there's always like a bit of a disconnect when the kid has the different name, but there are bigger things to deal with in life. So for me, it just sort of happened. I didn't have the chance to change it and I didn't, but I didn't think that much about it. Uh, It's not like I come from this like, it's not like I'm a Kennedy and uh, like the last name precedes me. So I didn't think about it as much. What's her question? Just how how do you make the decision to keep it? That sounds like you kind of just fell into it. You weren't. Yeah, I just fell into it. His last name wasn't, I mean, Galutin is its own. It's fine. And you can pronounce it Gallatin if you want. But we, even with his last name, I still have to deal with Galutin. Are you Galutin free? It's like, it's not even the same word. And that's cool because you think we've never heard that. People always make fun of Jewish last names or anything that isn't fucking Smith. So it, the good thing is it makes you more tolerant and it makes me hyper respectful of other complicated last names. Um, I think it makes you a better person to have a difficult long last name because it shows you how dumb people can be. By the way, if you mispronounce Schlesinger, that's okay. You're not supposed to be like brilliant with like Polish phonetics, but like making a whole thing of it is just... I have to like sit through what you think is so funny, which is a part of life and always painful. I mean, I, for a lot of it, I get Henry Higgins all the time. So it's, you know, people have little, little things. People always think they're the first one to say something. Do you know, are you related to Dr. Laura? I'm like, no, but that's fair. If you think it's, you know, the other Schlesinger, there's a couple of other Schlesingers, but it's not spelled the same. And it's just really, it really comes down to having to endure asking, answering the questions. I've just, as someone that gets interviewed a lot, like just the constant answering of the most mundane, repetitive questions. How did you, when did you know you were funny? Shell singer? Am I saying it right? I'm an idiot. (laughs) Top of the cop. So frustrating. Really? It's the top of the cop. We're doing it right. Every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cop. Look, we would be a full hour, but this hour has taken us 90 plus minutes. So... (laughs) We got to wrap it up. It is amazing. I packed my schedule so tight and something got printed wrong on my schedule. And it, when I say fucked my day, I mean, we're talking taking Zoom calls while getting your hair colored and the dog is barking and the cleaners are here. There's a lot going on. My bottom of the cob continues to be Volvo. Uh, My car again is in the shop as we speak. Because once again, I came home from another trip to find the car dead. Uh, last time it was dead. They said it was a computer issue. This time they're telling me there's no error and it's my fault because you're supposed to leave electric cars that charge, charged at only 40%. And I'm like, not only was this never conveyed, but that seems crazy. What do you mean? I don't know. I guess when you go out of town, you're supposed to make sure someone comes over to unplug your car but by the way if you unplug it these cars don't hold their charge so i don't know what you're supposed to fucking do or why they only told me this later um i also wrote an email to every corporate volvo email i could get my hands on 
And you know how when you write an email and it bounces back, it happens instantaneously or like 24 hours later? In this case, all the emails bounce back well over 72 hours later, which makes me question what the fuck is going on over there. Did you see an email and you were like, oh, this is invalid? Someone from customer service wrote to me. So now I get to talk to someone in Sweden who will just hear me complain and then ultimately not care. So Volvo, hear my cries. I'm so over you and your dealership and I had to get a lemon lawyer because you're making me pay for a car that is broken and now you're gaslighting me into telling me there's nothing wrong. So just know that your customer service has been abhorrent. Mm. And uh, I take it personally. I'm going to get my money back. Volvo. My my bottom is my continued worry about Rizzoli. Hope is that he is FIP free and it was just a weird virus. But, you know, fingers crossed. It's just continued. I mean, it's been almost two weeks and $8,000 of just not knowing. So, <sighs> stressful. Also, just real quick, I got a text from my aunt that just said, Fun show with Noah and Emily. They carried it. <laughs> I answer every question as if I was on it. Amazing how differently. And yes, I accept hosting next time you're out of the country. Okay, we should definitely have Aunt Debbie on because she's a life coach and one of my favorite people. Uh, but you are wrong, Aunt Debbie. They did not carry it. They did a bad job. Um, before I get to my uh, top of the cob, I just want to say, if you live in Las Vegas, uh, I've got a new home at the Wynn. I was at the Mirage for years. Before that, I was at the Venetian. I love the Mirage. Uh, they're undergoing some renovations. I've moved over to the Wynn. So I'm going to be there March 10th and 11th. I tell you guys that because some of you live in Vegas and a lot of people, from what I hear, like to visit there. So come see me at the Wynn, March 10th and 11th, ticketsatalizecom slash tour. And you can also upgrade your Vegas experience for a meet and greet. So come see me in Las Vegas. It's right around the corner. Very excited about that. Now, my top of the cob, it's a simple thing. Not everybody has had this experience. My top of the cob, because I did this, I tried to do this in New Zealand, New Zealand, because I remember this feeling in Hawaii, is getting to take a dip in the ocean and then rinsing off and going right to the airport. It's, it's, no, it's lovely. We had this like wonderful day in Hawaii when Hunter and I played there a couple of years ago. And we went to the beach, rinsed off, threw my hair in a bun and went right to the airport clean. But you really feel like you did the tropical thing that day. And you get to be on the plane and you're like, oh my God, a couple hours ago, I was on the beach. And it's a very cool thing to land and be like, this morning I was swimming in the ocean in New Zealand. What is that face, Emily? How, you, were in the, the you were in the plane for like 14 hours, just wet with sand. Oh my God. I said, I took a shower. The, I said it at the, the very sand beginning. Doesn't, sand stays. Sand stays after you take a shower. Yeah. Well then I don't know what kind of gross out. Having your cat lick you isn't a shower. Okay. <laughs> no, I went and I did it. And then I rinsed, didn't get one drop of a tan because I was fully covered in SPF but it's a nice feeling. Ruined it. It's exhilarating. In Hawaii, we did it and we dropped and ran to the airport and I had a Hawaiian cocktail and it felt real tropical. My t- okay, it's cool to be, whatever. My top of the cob. Do share is, any of my life with you. You know what's still solid that I just had for the first time in a while? A blizzard from Dairy Queen is a nice time and they flip it over and they make you look at it 
and you feel uncomfortable. They don't make you look at it. If <laughs> they like, don't flip it over, it's free. I know, and it makes I'm like, you don't have to, please just leave it. Don't people don't know that. No. They have to. It's a part of the pageantry. <laughs> the pageantry. Of What's your blizzard Queen? move? What's your what's your DQ blizzard move? I I usually go from the I mean I hadn't had one in years and years so I went from the like special menu they had like a hot chocolate one or something that was like brownie and chocolate. You mean chocolate? No, it was called like hot chocolate ice cream? or hot cocoa or something, and I got that. Cool marketing. I told you recently I had a DQ blizzard. Right, we played Yamava Casino here in uh, San Bernardino, and right outside the casino was a DQ. So I got a blizzard, which is not as great as an adult. I have to be honest. You can't finish it. No. What do you get? You get like Heath or something? What do you get? I did. I got Heath and cookie dough. And the How honest truth know? is I should have, because I've told you this, I should have just had a Heath bar. The, <laughs> you have to find the upper one. class, actually a score bar is the upper class Heath. Heath is the working man's toffee. Folks. Folks, these are the these are the dates, and uh, I'm gonna see you. Well, if you're listening to it this weekend, you, you can see me in North Dakota at the Four Bears Casino. Oh yeah, did you like yeah, how I, I promoted big... that for you last week? And wasn't I, I'll sure. take all the help I can get. We got Four Bears. We got Brooks, California. If you live in Northern California, by Sacramento. Fun fact about comedians: if you don't see us at home or on tour, we're doing a lot of casinos. And then I'm coming to you, Las Vegas, and then of course Florida is coming up here in the spring. So tickets at Eliza.com slash tour. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please wish Rizzoli a speedy recovery. Yes. Not only for him, but for Emily's mental and sexual health. <laughs> and as always, remember, Emily. It's me, Emily. Keep it sexual. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.